This is an 18 Maiden Lane production. Content warning for this episode, we talk about toxic families, bullying and being outed. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, a podcast where myself, Sophie and my friend Kim. Hey, how's it going? Get together every week to talk about films. We both recommend a film to each other and then get together to discuss it. Uh, We are still very much in the Christmas mood. And so we've been watching some more Christmas films this week. So, Kim, which film have you chosen for us to watch this week? Okay, so, uh, yeah, as Soph said, it's uh, still the Christmas season. And this is actually our last episode before Christmas Day. Uh, (gasps) So I went full on Christmassy. And I chose the 2020 film Happiest Season. Uh, So this was directed by Claire Duval and written by Claire Duval and Mary Holland. with an absolutely epic cast, including Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Dan Levy, Aubrey Plaza, Victor Garber. I mean, I could just go on and on. This cast is just incredible. So Happiest Season is a Christmas romantic comedy about a couple. Uh, So Abby, played by Kristen Stewart, and Harper, played by Mackenzie Davis, who are going to Harper's family home for Christmas. Uh, And it will be the first time that Abby meets the family. Um, Abby is planning to ask Harper to marry her on Christmas morning, um, but when they are almost to the absolutely insanely beautiful massive family home, uh, Harper drops the bomb that she lied about coming out to her family that summer and that she wants them to play straight for the five days that they're there. And Harper says that the timing is just bad to come out because her dad, Ted, played by Victor Garber, is announcing his running for mayor. Uh, So Abby soon realises that Harper is a different person when she's around her family and old friends. And things get awkward when the two of her exes show up. One is like the parents' ideal man for Harper, who is Connor, played by Jake McDormand. And one is the one that the family doesn't know about at all but is the all-round ideal woman Riley played by Aubrey Plaza so after a lot of drama it comes to head when uh, one of Harper's sisters Sloane played by Alison Brie outs Harper to her whole family and basically the entire town and Harper denies it Uh, luckily John played by Dan Levy is there to give a beautiful speech to Abby about the different versions of coming out and obviously It's a Christmas movie, so we get a happy ending for not just Harper and Abby, but we wrap up with a happy ending for every character. So, I mean, I I chose this film for for many reasons. Mainly, though, because I'm always excited when we get any queer content. But the fact that we're getting more and more queer content and can see so many versions of our story that... We have films like this that have like stellar casts and are distributed by big studios and play in cinemas is so important. And the fact that we get to watch Christmas movies, just like your stereotypical Christmas film, but they're queer, is so important and so good. So I do think it's really important for us to show our support for films like this. uh, So we keep getting more and more so we can keep seeing different versions of our story that we haven't been able to see over the years. But I also chose this because I genuinely enjoy this film. I genuinely enjoy this as a Christmas film and I find it funny and sweet and heartfelt. What, what were your thoughts, Soph? Well, I 100% knew that you loved this film because before we even discussed that we were going to talk about it on uh, what, on an episode of the podcast, 
you already told me you'd watched it about two or three times um, <laughs> this year. So I kind of knew that you are going to definitely have a really positive uh, experience of this. Um, and I also knew that you would be, you know, as we got further into December, trying to up your gay Christmas movies as much as possible. Oh, yeah. So Carol, yeah, Carol last week was definitely um, more reserved in terms of content. And I felt this was more blatantly gay. I mean, even the name, Happiest Season, is clearly like a play on the idea that happy and gay used yes. to mean the same thing. So uh, it's the gayest season, um, <laughs> which is, is which you love. Um, and I I have a weird kind of, I really, really enjoy this film, but I do have issues with certain characters. But I think what in particular about this film, before we kind of go into it, one thing I was a little um, upset by was the fact that this film came out in 2020 and it wasn't able to have the wide release that it deserved yes. uh, because of the pandemic. Um, not to say that um, it did too badly, because I think that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of particularly women, but also generally people in the queer community certainly rallied around this film and watched it and found ways to support uh, this film and the creators. But I feel like it would have been so amazing to, for it to have its moment if it had yeah. been a, a more normal year. So that was that was a real shame. I felt. What was what was your experience seeing this? Because obviously, twenty twenty, obviously, no one really, especially you were in England for the pandemic. So I mean, I realise it's still going on, very much so. But like yes. you're in England for twenty twenty. So what was your what was your like experience seeing this film for the first time? Well, see, um, I don't know anybody else that has seen it apart from you, and I'm pretty sure the only reason I was aware of it, at least initially was because you started sending me trailers uh, about a few months beforehand and just going, oh my God, every time. So... Look, I, I might be a pushy queer. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, it was fine. It was good, though, because it was something also for us to talk about um, when you were away, obviously. But it was, yeah, I, I may have found a way to watch it online. And um, it was, it, I enjoyed it as an experience. I, but I did find, interestingly... The issues that I had with the first time I watched it, I kind of still had this time around, which was my main issue with Harper. I I, I felt like this movie was definitely trying to go for a feel-good vibe, and I felt that Harper wasn't a very nice person. And uh, don't get me wrong, I know she has lots of complicated issues going on with her family and you know the pressure of trying to stay in the closet around... A particularly more traditional conservative family is is difficult but I felt that in even ways where that could no longer be that was no longer excuse she wasn't the nicest of people sometimes so I found it difficult to find myself rooting for her and Abby um and I was very much more in the camp of Abby and Riley and wanted more scenes with them so I have a couple of a couple of thoughts on that firstly I fucking adore Riley. <laughs> like, yes, she's incredible. I would love way more scenes with her. But I wasn't Abby and Riley end goals. No, I mean, I didn't necessarily want them to get together. I, but I would have been happier with that than with Harper. I just felt that Harper was some of the things that she did were avoidable and had nothing to do with her 
trying to stay in the closet or anything like that, which can obviously excuse some bad behavior if you're under those pressures. That, you know, things like her flirting with her ex-boyfriend in front of Abby on numerous occasions and, you know, not really communicating with Abby, leaving Abby often to be by herself, even when there were situations where she didn't have to do that. I just felt like if you are asking someone not only to support you and being um, closeted at home, but also kind of asking someone to go back in the closet as well for you. Which is a very traumatic thing. It's a big thing to do. Um, I did feel like she, they could have, if she had been a nicer person, she would have found times to go out with Abby at, in town or something like that, go and get the white elephant present together. That, or that she, annoyed the shit out of me. I felt like she would have found ways to spend time with Abby away from her family where they could perhaps be a little more comfortable with each other and and kind of still have a good relationship. But all I kind of saw was um, Harper pushing Abby away in many, many situations which she didn't need to. And that's where I found it difficult to kind of reconcile her as being a good character by the end. I didn't feel like she fully understood or learned her lesson by the end. And if they had even just taken a moment for her to fully show that she had changed her behavior a little more or had specifically gone out of her way to spend more time or whatever it was with Abby, but at the end of the film, once she kind of learned her lesson, um, I think that, and particularly before she hears anything from her parents about whether she's accepted, I think that could have saved her as a character and made her more redeemable. Yeah, I think I think there was definitely flaws, obviously, with, with her character. And one thing I will say, though, is especially if you are... In a, in a situation where you're closeted and you are terrified to come out and you go back into that situation you a lot of the time can revert back to past behaviors and and revert back to who you were at that time and obviously last time she was living there in that sort of situation i would assume she was like a teenager like maybe before she went to college or whatever so she she kind of it, it does feel like she reverts back to that harper that's true and i think one of the issues that that I have with the film and that I think most people have been very vocal about and I think the the creators and stars of the film have also commented on that if they had more time and more money they would have gone into it more but you didn't get the backstory of Harper and Abby yes it didn't have this big foundation that you could go on I know there's those illustrated drawings of them throughout the year oh, they, were, they were fucking creepy was it just me <laughs> they I mean I didn't think they were creepy. I thought that they they didn't really get the job done, though. No, the first note I had was, what are these creepies pictures about? <laughs> okay, so so that was obviously them trying to establish that yeah. they have this beautiful, happy, like, loving, great relationship. But because we don't see that, like, the first thing we see with them is Harper in a sweet way trying to get Abby to get excited over something that she loves which is great like having shared interests and wanting your partner to share an interest with you is great but the first thing that she does is when when Abby is trying to tell her something 
Harper interrupts her and is like, oh, look, look at this, and runs off. And you're like, all right, yeah. well, that's not off to a great start. Like, she does talk over her quite a lot. I felt like at the beginning of the film, they didn't really have to... They didn't have to have this established trope, or not trope, established idea of Abby hating Christmas or not liking Christmas. They didn't really add anything to the, to the film, and they could have instead shown them having a really great festive time together and show their closeness, maybe them hanging out with friends and having a great establishing their life in the city, and then they go and yeah. do this, and they have, to, and then it's such a stark difference because you don't see their intimacy that they've had. I'm not talking sex scenes. I'm just talking about, like, you know, cuddling and kissing and sitting next to each other on the sofa with their arms around each other. Those little things that could have just established how comfortable their life is. Why not start it at Thanksgiving rather than start it on yeah, Christmas? Yeah, family, like, thank, uh, friends, Friendsgiving or something. Friendsgiving, yeah. Have, like, Harper and Abby hosting Thanksgiving with, like, John there and whoever else. And mm. then at the end of the night, so you see this like beautiful, happy, everyone's loving each other and working yeah. together. And at the end of the night, the two of them cuddle up on the sofa and like yeah. have this beautiful time. And then the contrast from that yes. relaxed, happy atmosphere where they're so bonded and so together and like finish each other's sentences or like help each other in the kitchen, which is yeah. always a really cute trope to see like, yeah. like a couple helping each other, knowing exactly what the other one needs. Yeah. really establishes the bound like the 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 ground of that relationship and then to go from that to the complete different where harper's changed because she's in this situation that is so toxic yeah it's just it it, it would have been in in my opinion obviously i, I i'm not going to try and fault like claire deval and mary holland's writing or the directing of this film they did it's a great easy job to, it's easy to nitpick and criticize and say thing in hindsight you know that's easy for us to do rather than yeah. write the thing in the first place exactly but i do think that that would have answered more questions like i mean for me i yeah. the way i saw this film first i i was really lucky because i was in um rural australia when i when the pandemic was going on so the cinemas were open where I was so I actually got to see this in the cinema for the first time mm -hmm. and there's always you know there's always that different atmosphere when you see a film in oh, the cinema definitely. anyway definitely. Um, so myself and and my business partner and her mum <laughs> went to see it together and it was Lucky. just it was so cute it was the best like two queers and then the mum um like <laughs> and we just all had the best time and and like we all loved it and we came out of it so happy. I do think like your kind of fix at the beginning would have just, I think that would have completely changed the movie in a positive way. And it would have meant that a lot of the things that happen later that I ha have more kind of grumbles about, I might forgive a little bit because I can at least see the foundation of where they came from. I could see why Abby held on for so long. I couldn't yeah. see her motiva motivation because I couldn't see how close their relationship previously be, uh, had been. Yeah, it, it does like, make it hard. I like the idea of you having like the Thanksgiving and then the Christmas because also then, you know, Thanksgiving is all about family and it could be about chosen family and exactly. all, yeah, found family. This idea of like the queer experience and then going back to your actual family and is that different if you're yeah. positive? And obviously it probably is. Um, yes. But you could have that, as you said, that kind of that mirroring of those two events that in many ways 
I always think as an outsider, not being an American, looks really similar. It's like you have early Christmas and then you have Christmas. Yeah. A lot of it's the same food and stuff. I just, I don't know, uh, outside of perspective here. But um, it could have been, a, you know, that nice mirroring then. Yeah, I think it would have, I think it just would have established a lot more. And if you did want still to have the Christmas lights scene, you could yeah. have done that in the like town that you went to see the parents you could be like oh when i was a kid we always used to go to this christmas street yeah and go to yeah. there and you can still see a horny reindeer uh oh yeah <laughs> christmas shenanigans <laughs> um yeah I de- yeah or you could just as a transition scene between thanksgiving and christmas you could have them walking down the street and all the lights are on now and they're Which having is when this she like- asked to go back Cozy chats and you know, um, personally, I would love to go on that morbid Xmas lights tour. Um, <laughs> oh my god, right? Yes, absolutely. That I was like, totally this just sent me. adds everything you want into <laughs> into Christmas. Exactly. Tell me about how many people die every year from Christmas crackers. I love it. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, you know, and it could have just been this really lovely, sweet scene, and then. Because she's because Harper's so comfortable in her life in the city that we've seen, um, you can see how she might get wrapped up and invite Abby and then regret it the next morning. And yeah. I can see how budget limitations and stuff is going to affect it. I completely understand that, and I do still really like the film. It's just personally, I find Harper a little bit harder to take. Um, yes. I think she's meant to be not a very nice character when she's at home, as you said, she reverts to being a teenager and she has this um kind of uh competitive relationship with her sister where they're both kind of fighting for the approval of her parents uh, love and this really toxic relationship regardless of sexuality toxic relationship they have with their parents fighting for love which also i think if anyone else had played the parents would have been really hard to watch but because of who played the parents you love them like i could watch victor garber do basically anything and i would still Mm -hmm. love him like and i just think that they they play it so well the two of them just they are toxic and it's awful what they're doing oh god like even like the amount of times that they had abby take the the family photo and then in front of her saying well that won't do we'll have to do it again yeah was so cunty Um... oh my god yes (laughs) and like even i mean the way they they even said like oh, well, the only reason Jane turned out half okay is because, or okay, is because we gave up on her when she wouldn't stop biting as a child. And I'm sorry, but I love Jane. She's oh the best character, in my view. She's she's like, great. Her also so talented. Magnetic. Oh, I love I love the scene where Harper... Harper is such a bitch to, to her sisters, which, yeah. I mean, I know that's the whole relationship between the whole family. They're all toxic and trying to one-up each other. But where they're saying, where Harper goes to Jane, oh, I can't believe you're still writing that book. Like, it's been 10 years. And Jane just goes, yeah, well, it takes a long time to create a world. I was like, yes, Jane, you get it. And that moment where she goes in and she's, like, trying to kiss the poster of Josh Hartnett. Oh, I I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's just so great. It was just, she just has so many moments where she's lovely and sincere and sweet and a little bit zany but she's not afraid to be herself. And in so many ways, she is the contrast to Harper, who isn't allowed to be herself and is so yeah. buttoned up and can't express herself freely and has to live her life 
um, at least in front of her parents, within this very, very restrained kind of view of what it is to be a modern intellectual woman or whatever that they want her to be, the successful woman, that she is so buttoned up that you can see it in her frustrations and how tense she gets and how snappy she gets. Um, and that is purely because of the relationship that her her par- she has with her parents and what they expect of her. And it's lovely to see that Jane, because they gave up on her, actually she is free to be the quirky, zany little person that she is. And she's happy. And well, she to, is... to a point, yeah. Well, she is and she isn't. But like she, I find in some ways she's very confident in ways oh. that the others aren't. Yes. Because like when when they're at that party and that guy starts coming on to Abby and she's like, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then she, um, she just slides in and she's like, I'm interested. Yes. And she's so confident in that moment. And she's just dancing and she's having a great time. Oh, I think, I think she's fantastic. Yeah, the only time she loses confidence is when she's around her sisters and they belittle her and she's excluded. And that's when she kind of shows it because I think that's where she loses her confidence is through her relationships with her family, not as a person or an individual. She has confidence in her own worth in terms of her artwork, in terms of her uh, writing, um, in terms of obviously her trying to find a romantic partner, all these things she has confidence in. She just doesn't, doesn't have confidence around her family. I mean, who would if you're, if you're being treated like that, Mm. who would and yeah i do i like even her little speech when they have their their fight and yeah. she she's like saying about how she matters yeah i just want to be included. like oh that's such a great speech and then yeah and then ted turns around and says oh jane i know you just wanted to be included like he doesn't even bother having a go at her that's mm. how much they've given up on her it's not even like he's like i'm so disappointed in you especially you harper which is like Oh man, they both fought like because they yeah, but also like he's so disappointed in Harper because he's given up on the other daughter. I want to say it's Sloane. Sloane, yes, yeah, Alison Brie. because because she um, decided that she was not going to continue this highly prestigious intellectual life at Yale. She well, she so she her and her husband were both lawyers, and they, they gave yeah. it up and uh, started a incredibly successful business yeah making hand curated gift basket type things but you can't call them gift baskets um vessels. and <laughs> yes wooden vessels um mm. but they they are incredibly successful like they were picked up by goop like and the sales have yeah. been through the roof since so <laughs> <laughs> like well, they're very they're successful yeah, they're obviously thriving, but because they are no longer these successful lawyers, they just come down to, for um, their father, they just come down to representing both the family unit, the perfect family unit, and just, you know, for voting, um, the, you know, multiracial couple. <laughs> it ticks mean, all the boxes. It's and it's just... just like, oh, that's so... And the amount of times that she kind of, you can see... As, as bitchy as Sloane can be, and as awful as she is, um, and in certain moments in the story, you can see her disappointment when all she is um, kind of cared about is to do with how her family presents itself and how it looks. And um, therefore, they have these very high expectations for this family. And it's just, it's just really heartbreaking. You know, when they're at that party, 
they just have to walk around and look like a nice family. They don't have to go and have conversations with influential well, people. Well, no, she even she even volunteers. She's like, oh, do you need me to come? And he, he says, oh, no, you know, just be the perfect yeah. family, basically. Um, probably because she was in the position Harper was in previously and she's been dropped. She would have been the show-off daughter. But then also, they also do the same thing to the other ones where they say, oh, you know this might be my only opportunity to have grandchildren with the two that they have. So it's not yeah. only putting pressure on the grandchildren and her to have grandchildren, having the grandchildren, but it's also like shaming the other girls for not For being of kids. a certain age and not having children. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's so much shame and, and toxicity in that family. Yeah. It's, it's so tough to watch. It's so tough to watch. And yet they have their blinkers on because... At the party at the end, Christian Stewart walks in like 2004 Shane from the L Word, but um, and nobody knows she's <laughs> but nobody knows she's gay. Well, it's even like, even John says, "Have they met a lesbian?" <laughs> exactly. It's like she's wearing the lesbian outfit. She, you know, well, in she fairness... has you know shortish hair. We're wearing a suit that's unbuttoned. You know, like the shirt's unbuttoned with a long kind of Avril Lavigne tie. And she's like a little bit kind of rough around the edges in terms of like, she's not pristine. She is very kind of like chic looking. Yes. This is a a lesbian uniform. You do realize that. She's literally, basically should have a neon sign saying dyke above her head. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was just like, oh my. And then like, she's trying to pass herself off as straight. I was like, I love you, but But no. no. I super super, uh, appreciated a lot of the wardrobe styling of these hot women in suits oh, you know it's a thing I love, I love it. it Aubrey Plaza as well I I adore a woman oh, in a suit it's so good yeah her and Aubrey especially when they you know at the bit where Aubrey uh, like says oh I like your jacket yeah I'm like I say Aubrey when Riley says to Abby I like your jacket I'm like Abby say it back she has a hot jacket on too <laughs> like but did, is it just me? But when she said, I like your jacket, she was basically saying, you're queer, right? Yes. Oh, 100%. Like 100%. She basically language. did the lesbian nod. Like... <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're like, oh, yeah, we have an appreciation for this. Yeah. yeah. It's, she what basically thing... just went up and went, queer? 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I love her dry sense of humour, which came through really well in this film. There's quite a lot of dry humour in this film. Yes. The whole thing about um, Abby being an orphan. And yes. <laughs> a lot of that was very dry. Uh, they did it maybe once or twice too many times, but it was really funny. But I kind um, of think that, that I liked that. I think that the fact that they did it maybe a couple, almost too many times, made the yeah. awkwardness even better. Yeah. Especially when it was like Jane being like awkward about her being like an orphan I but was it was just, like... just it was just literally like oh this is our charity case that's why you're welcome at the yeah. week at the at holidays we wouldn't normally let people in except the mother even said oh we're all we are, are like something along the lines of our like oh we'd, we'll always take in people in need exactly it was like flipping heck geez yeah i know it's it's everything is for is for the look as it's all for appearances to, yeah and that's made even more um, obvious through the fact that they're always taking these pictures for the Instagram and stuff. It's like, that's like, saying it's not just about appearances in general. 
is even like lit the literal appearance of how you appear on social media and yes. things like that. It's very better in that way. I it's very do obvious. love. I love that they nailed the like mother role, like Tipper using her iPad to take photos. Oh yes, I heard such a yeah. mum thing, it and really, I mean I like older mum. I have never taken a picture on a tablet. No, why would you? <laughs> why would you? <laughs> One question I did have, because obviously this is like meant to be like a super conservative little town. Um, yes. They're a conservative family. They, yes. um, the people they're trying to impress are quite conservative as well. Hence yes. the whole, uh, you know, don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, thing don't the tell, end. Yeah. Considering that, I love that they somehow managed to find that on this very small high street, there was a queer bar. Uh, not just a queer bar, a queer epic queer bar, bar with drag queens. With two drag queens that must live in the local area, probably. But I love that. Yeah, it was I, a nice I loved to, it as well. It was a nice way to show that if you had had the opportunity to feel comfortable um, to come out in that small town, you could have found a place. If Harper yeah, you felt might... comfortable when she was younger, she might have found community there. There's well, actually I more mean, there than you think. Riley, Riley did. Riley exactly. obviously was outed by Harper, which is such a fucked up thing to do. I understand that people do do that all the time and it's it's a fear-based reaction but it is heinous it's not yeah. it's not quite as bad in my opinion as sloan doing it no but the only thing i would say is the only way that i can see that harper has in some way changed and developed is that she doesn't retaliate to sloan and tell everyone sloan's secret but then in the same moment mm-hmm. in heartbreak the, you know, in a heartbreaking scene, she denies herself and who she which, is. Which, uh, I mean, the, the whole speech before in the bedroom, not not in that scene, but when, when Harper is talking to uh, Abby in the bedroom and says, I'm not hiding you, I'm hiding myself. Yeah. It's so true. It's such a... I mean, and when John says to Abby that everyone's story is different, every everyone's coming out story is different... The, but the one thing that they all have in common is that fear the moment before you say those words mm. and it's so true like I I remember the first like adults I came out to like I can still feel that fear from like doing that and I, it's just the fucking most terrifying yeah. thing in the world so I can understand and empathise a bit with Harper. That scene, um, though, when, like, in front of everyone, she just says, I am not a lesbian, and she's yes. it. That yeah. was heartbreaking. That was so heartbreaking. although she has been outed, she had an opportunity in that moment, if she wanted to, to, to say, yes, I am, and say it proudly. Or, or if, if she or wasn't... Because <laughs> the thing is, if she hadn't said... Firstly, she should never have lied to Abby and said, I came out to my parents. She could have said to... When she got back from the summer holiday, she could have said, I tried. I It was really hard. I'm not ready to do it yet. I don't know how my parents are going to react. Well, even more so, like, she knows... She knows she's made a mistake the day after she's asked at Abby. And yet, I understand why, but she takes 
so long to tell Abby that Abby is actually stuck in a situation. They're clearly in like some on some rural rural road. Abby can't just say no. She's yeah. kind of got to go ahead with it because she's already basically there. Yeah, and her, very you know, Harper's, and Harper's family know that she's coming, and so she kind of has to go along with it. This is another reason that I have a problem with Harper. She does things which this could have been avoided if she told her at the flat, at the apartment, I haven't actually come out with them. And then Abby says, well, do you still want me to come? And she could have said, yes, I want you to come. I I need you there. And she could have said, well, I will be there for you. And they go together. And it could have been, again, a way of showing their bond. And to a certain extent, a sacrifice that Abby has willingly made to support her girlfriend. And then later on when things don't go 100% correctly or they, you know, people mistreat each other or whatever, you can see how their relationship breaks down and you can see it coming from this place of support and care and closeness, a closeness to a, a more fractured relationship by the end. And Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. But I do also understand the Harper side of... Oh, I get it. I like understand that, it. That she's stuck in a lie and she's she's terrified that anything she says is going to mean that she loses people that she loves. Can I ask you a question? Like, mm-hmm. you know how she kept saying, you know, after Christmas, after the holidays, I am going to tell my parents. I will do it. I'll definitely do it. Do you think she actually would have done it after the holidays or do you think she was telling herself that because she wanted to believe it but she probably knew she couldn't actually go through with it yet or do you think she said it because she wanted Abby to feel like she wasn't hiding her I think that it was a mixture of the latter too I think it yeah. was I think it was she genuinely wants to I think she's like I'm in a place in my life where I am so happy. I've got this loving relationship with this incredible woman. Like, it's Kristen fucking Stewart. And we're so happy and, like, everything's great. I really want my family to be a part of that and I would love to just come out and tell them and I think it's going to be amazing. But at the same time, she's fucking terrified of their reaction, understandably. Because it's terrifying even if you think that your parents are going to have a really good answer to it. Like, if you think that their reaction is going to be completely positive, it's still fucking terrifying. So on top of that, having that conservative, you have to buy their love the whole time is terrifying. But also I do think that she's like, Abby, if I give Abby this, I'm going to do it after the holidays. But do you think she actually would have? or? No, no, I don't, I don't think, think she would. I don't think she would have. I think, I think she, she genuinely to. believed that she would Could. try. Same as same as she did at the the summer. I think she genuinely yeah. went there in the summer to say, "Mum, Dad, I'm gay, mm. and I'm in love with this incredible person, and I've never been happier." But I think that she is so scared, it's like yeah. understandably. I think she. I don't think. She, I think she was saying it because she wanted to believe it, and she wanted to convince both herself and Abby. But I think deep down she probably wasn't ready yet, yeah. and therefore she probably wouldn't have done it yet. I no. think she probably needed to be in a place where she felt a little bit more secure in uh, either that her parents would accept her or 
that she could survive if her parents didn't accept her. I don't think she was in a place where mentally or emotionally she was ready for that yet. Yeah, I also think that anytime she was maybe even debating doing it when she's with her parents, something is said or something is done to make her be like, oh, no, like turtle back into her shell. Because like even things yeah. like when they're out for dinner and they say, oh, did you see that Riley and her family are here? And they say, oh, you know, yeah, she's this great doctor. She's doing this, like, whatever. I don't, I have no yeah. idea what any of the words mean. But she's doing something good, doctor-wise. And they're like, oh, yeah, they must be so relieved, especially considering her, her lifestyle choices. Yeah. So it's yeah, like... There's definitely a negative kind yeah. of connotation around that. We haven't really talked about him at all, but um, I love... Dan Levy, of course. I mean, he's kind of playing a little bit like uh, David shit. Yeah. Uh, he, well, yeah, he's playing himself in many ways. Um, but I'm okay with that. That was fine because he was because he wasn't it wasn't a massive role. Um, it worked so well, even if it was a little derivative of some of his other stuff. Because I kind of loved his other stuff, so I don't really mind that. But um, I do, I did really like that he. Um, like when when he came in and he like pretended to be Abby's, oh my god, boyfriend John, or whatever, uh, uh, Abby's heterosexual ex. Like I was like, <laughs> yes, yes. Like, oh my god, this is what Kim would be like if she was trying to play straight. <laughs> oh my god, imagine. In fairness, it's like what Kristen Stewart's like when she plays straight. I mean, well, not Kristen that's Stewart. True. That's that's that. I shouldn't say that because she's a really good actress. I mean, Abby, uh, Abby playing, yeah. It was like yeah. when Abby tries to play straight. I'm like, I can imagine you just being there going, well, that is an attractive man, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> just for like, Do you I have no com- idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people can uh, pass. I'm yeah. not one of those people. Um, no. Nor is John. No. But, but I, I, li- I liked his character a lot. I felt in some ways he was a little isolated from the other characters at times, but in some way that was built into the plot. So it was a bit like, um... And he had had the happy ending where he wasn't isolated anymore. That is true. And also, Um, I... Fair enough, there were some bits where you were like, okay, you really should be there a little bit more for Abby on like during this time. But then then immediately afterwards he phones and he's like, I feel like I was too harsh or I was judgmental. I'm here for yeah. you, tell me what you need. And I'm like, that's I mean, so realistic. Yeah. But I did love his character. And I also love the soundtrack uh, with Tegan and Sarah. Oh, Tegan and Sarah. Oh. Yes, of course. Okay. Firstly, you like this film is clearly made by queer people. It's yeah, got so many really queer, that. queer, like little, just little snippets of, of queer life. It's got obviously giant bits of queer life, but there's also those... Those little subtleties that really only queer people realise. Like? So, well, I mean, <laughs> Tegan and Sarah for one. But like things yeah. even just like the, the queer nod or like the the language you have that is different with your queer fa- family and like your queer friends. The, the, the wholeness that you have, like that you've connected with the outfits alone. Like it's just well, all yeah. of these layers of things that are put on and like little jokes and things that might go over people's heads if you're not part of the queer community 
Yeah. It's got all of that. And then it's got the queer soundtrack. It's got queer actors in it. Like, a lot of the cast are queer. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so good to see films that are distributed by actual mainstream, like, companies and... Well, I think like made by queer people. I think queer she people queer people should be able to tell their own stories. That's yes. both the writers, the directors, the actors. They should have a space to be able to share that rather than, you know, come Oscar season, some film comes out where everyone talks about how brave it is that some straight person dared to play somebody who's queer. Um, but especially if they were queer in the past, oh my God. Um, and I just think it's, it's nice to see more people actually being able to own their own voices a little yes. bit more and represent their own communities. Because it has a layer of authenticity that you just cannot get if you don't have, not all, but you know, a good amount of people working both in front and behind the camera um, who know how to... Um, obviously they have a certain language and a way of talking about things that are, are very culturally specific. Yes. But also they know how to market it to the right people. They know how, uh, you know, to um, talk authentically about certain topics. Um, they know how to kind of write stories that maybe don't fall into so many tropes or to take classic tropes and subvert them by making them a queer experience rather than a heterosexual or heteronormative experience yes so i think these are all really important reasons why even though there are things i'm nitpicking about this story it's still a film that i really enjoy and i really hope that we get more films like this films that you can put up on as a christmas movie that happens to also be queer um but also more um lesbian or queer women centered um stories because um a lot of uh films about queer people that I have seen, I haven't seen every film, obviously, tend to focus on maybe a more kind of cis white gay men, and which has its place. But I, I'm glad to see more uh, mainstream films that are looking at lesbian relationships. I'd like to see more talking about bisexual relationships, maybe even about trans experiences. Yes. I'd like to see that happening more as we kind of progress and move on and move in the right direction really well that's one of the things that's why i said at the beginning of 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 why i think it's so important to support films like this you you cannot make a film that is everyone's cup of tea you can't make a film that is perfect for everyone but the more we support people making our stories the more of our stories we will see and the more we will feel represented and see ourselves on screen and representation matters. So there's also, it's so important. A, yeah, there, there's enough of us to be able to support these films if we make the effort to do so. Well, you see, you see... To make films see, financially successful. Yeah, you see that. You see that it can happen. You can see it works. We just need to prove it to the studios and prove it to the cis, straight, white men at the top that yeah. this is what where the money's at like I would, it sells I would, well yeah definitely i would love to see clear deval write another christmas movie i don't want to pinhole her into like one section but she did a really good christmas movie and so i would love to see her make more or make just, other yeah, stories absolutely i like this is her second film she directed right 
So she yes, also did the in- think... intervention, which is another it has queer characters in. This is also her fourth appearance, technically, on this podcast out of very small amount of episodes. <laughs> so look, we may be cleared of our fans. Uh... <laughs> Uh... <laughs> but I, oh my god, I would love to see her just do more and more films. She obviously has the taste for comedy. She's good at comedy. She can write comedy yeah. well. She can direct it well. Because this is good. Intervention also funny. Also, it's got Natasha Leone in. Um, but also, I'm very much um, excited because I'm pretty sure she's attached to the Keegan and Sarah film. Yes, yes. And she's directed some of their music <laughs> videos as well. So, yeah. like, which that will be incredible. I cannot wait for that. But the fact that this got in 2020, which was a fucking tough year for films, still got released yes. in cinemas. I, yes, I was in did. rural Victoria slash New <laughs> South Wales and I went to see it, like, in a cinema. Like, that's awesome. That's yeah. such a cool thing. Like, uh, it it really it really made myself and my friend feel very, like, included and vindicated yeah. that you we could go to this rural cinema and see a film where people on screen represented us and were played by people who are like us. Yeah, not just out to grab Oscars for being queer or trans or whatever like it's full of queer people it's made by queer people it stars queer people it tells Mm. a queer story yeah definitely i think it's just it's a really great film and if you haven't seen it we've definitely spoiled it for you but i would 100 (laughs) percent recommend watching it at this time of year um it's just such a, a good comfort read and you know what every community should be able to watch some trashy christmas films um, and even better if it represents them as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think each year we're getting better. Each year we're getting more, in the last few years anyway, not before that, but each year we're getting more Christmas films that have people like us in. Yeah. And it's just going to keep getting better. And I think we're going to see more people with disabilities. We're going to see more people of colour. We're going to see more trans people in these films that mm. it's so important. Because who doesn't love sitting down at Christmas and throwing on a just happy Christmas movie. And I want to be able to throw on Hallmark Channel or fucking Lifetime or like whatever else Christmas movies are on, Channel 4, and see that the next film that is appearing on there happens to have lesbians on it or happens to have a trans man on there or happens to have someone in a wheelchair, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's so important. I don't just want to see cis straight white couples. Now, okay, so going from that uh, very long talk about uh, Happiest Season. Who knew uh, you had opinions? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't even share them all. (laughs) But going from that, uh, what is your final Christmas movie before Christmas Day going to be? So this week I chose The Snowman, which is a 1982 film uh, directed by Diane Jackson um, and, of course, written and based on the book by Raymond Briggs. Um, And it's just been a staple, uh, certainly in my house, I would say in a lot of British houses, um, since, obviously, the early 80s. And every Christmas Eve, Channel 4, and I think they still do it, uh, used to always put it 
on around kind of like five, six o'clock so the little young ones can, you know, get ready, get their pajamas on, have their bath or whatever, you know, do all of that shenanigans and then sit down, watch the snowman, put your mince pie out um, for Santa Claus and then go to bed. And it was just holds so much nostalgia to me, uh, for me that I still watch it every year now, even though I'm a little bit older. Um, (laughs) Do you uh, still put a mince pie out for Santa though? No, I don't even like mince pies. But... uh, (laughs) But um, I do sometimes have a little tiff on myself now <laughs> uh, instead of leaving one out for Santa. But uh, it's it's a film that, first of all, it is completely um, silent. Like all of the kind of expression of emotion is done through um, the like the music that's being composed by Howard Blake, and um, it's. Uh, but there's no spoken word throughout the whole thing except for one song, which is a very famous song in the UK as well, um, called Walking in the Air. Um, but it's about this little boy and uh, he lives, I only picked up this time around watching it, that he lived in Brighton, um, but he lives very rurally in a uh, little kind of farm area. So maybe it's more hope. And... <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, really homing in on the English audience. <laughs> really, uh, and he um, definitely he, he doesn't have any siblings uh, or any friends from the looks of it. Um, so when it snows, he goes outside. He gets very excited. He's you know throwing snowballs, and eventually he decides to make the snowman. And um, as uh, he's very proud of the snowman, he doesn't even want to leave him alone and go inside um, to have toast. Um, so. He uh, is very obsessed with the snowman. And when he goes to bed, he keeps waking up because he keeps dreaming about the snowman. And when he looks out the window at one time, he notices that, that magic happens. And the uh, snowman comes alive and uh, they they go on this uh, kind of adventure together. They explore the house together. And then uh, the very famous sequence is um, the little boy and the snowman fly off to the North Pole to meet uh, Santa Claus. And that is obviously where the famous Walking in the Air uh, song plays. Um, and then it ends, uh, spoiler alert, uh, really tragically. He wakes up the next morning and uh, the snowman had melted, which you know, broke my little heart as a child. Um, but it's definitely a film that I watch every single year. Um, it's got highs and lows in terms of the emotions. It's lots of fun, but there's also a lot of sorrow in there. And the music itself is just, like, really beautiful um, as well. And, yeah, I just really, really enjoy it. And because it's a film I watch every single year, I felt that we had to talk about it. It's a very short film. It's only about 25 minutes, but it is definitely definitely worth a watch every year. And if you haven't watched it before, I would definitely recommend watching it, especially if you have young children. So is it a film, Kim, that you grew up watching? Uh, so yes, but not as much as you. Uh, so for me, <laughs> for me, no. It was for, so Christmas Eve, we would go around to my grandparents' house um, and stay the night there, and we didn't watch it. Um, well, like we didn't watch TV. We would just like hang out, and my grandma would read us stories, and we'd put out like the stockings ready to go. And obvi- so, okay, in my house, we didn't. So you put had out... you had valuable family time rather yes. than sitting in front of the telly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> But um, no, so my grandparents were kick-ass. Like they were the best people. And um, 
that I got I was really lucky like because we grew up really close to them um so we mm. could literally walk to their house um so Christmas Eve we'd put out the stuff for Santa but in in my grandparents house it was a glass of sherry and mm-hmm. um a carrot for the reindeer obviously and I think there was probably a mince pie but the mo- main thing I remember was a glass of sherry um because yeah. that was my grandma's favorite drink and obviously Santa's. Um, and, um, but yeah, so we didn't really watch, we didn't watch TV. Um, so I didn't have that same yearly routine of watching it every Christmas Eve. Um, but I remember it, they used to replay it over the Christmas period. Yeah. So I, I, I remember watching it in like daytime, seeing it on oh, TV. Okay. Um, and I know, I know that my, my mum loves it and my dad as well. Um, but I didn't have that, that quite the same like Christmas Eve ritual. Um, but it's yeah. still, regardless of, of when you saw it, it's such a Christmassy film. It's such a Christmas. film. It really film. is. Like, it has just... like the, the innocence and, and joy of Christmas in there. And the fleeting moments of joy that then mm. are gone with tragedy. Uh, <laughs> very Christmassy. Oh, God. The ending is just... I mean, it's a very British thing, isn't it? To kind of have this beautiful thing that ends with tragedy. Oh, yeah. Um, If it was in America, then the ending would have to be happy. Possibly, yeah. Because that's a lot of American films are very much done with, like, happy endings. Whereas Mm. in England, we're like, no, no, let's be more realistic. Everything sucks and it's cold and damp and we'll just kill everyone off. (laughs) Well, the, the worst thing is the snowman melts, but the rest of the snow around it doesn't really seem to melt. No. So it's just a snowman. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It's not like the sun come, has come out and there's no snow on the ground. No. It's just, just a snowman. snowman. <laughs> I know. Just the thing you loved and cherished. Um... <laughs> you know that thing that you that was the only thing that really brought you joy? It's gone. Yeah. Like, you know your yeah. only friend? <laughs> gone. <Yeah>. Dead. <laughs> that really struck a chord. <laughs> what, what a Christmas message. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't oh, get too man. attached, kids. <laughs> um, yeah i did i yeah. one thing i did love about it was uh the obviously they uh, the kids are sort of gendering the snowmans to a point in like the cool. same way of the way that we think that clothes has have gender or whatever as a society mm-hmm. i'm not saying you and me because that would be ridiculous um so they've got like the the quote male quote female snowman yes but then when this when the little boy's snowman goes upstairs. The, uh, he, the snowman is dressed as a quote boy, mm. uh, but puts on like makeup and tries on like yeah. quote female clothes. And I'm like, yes, that's good. It should you should show like exploring like... different genders and exploring different yeah. expressions. Very playful in that way, isn't it? Yeah. I always like the fact that he put on loads of blush and things like that, and they they get you up to like naughty things. So seriously, I mean, these parents sleep through a lot. Um... <laughs> I want to know how much sherry they had. Exactly. Jeez. <laughs> uh, um, but I just, that was always my favourite part, actually, of the of the film was him when they went around the the house and they're you know playing with the play set, you know, the toy set, and they're putting on the makeup. And he's putting all sorts of different fruits on his nose. And he's having... Oh, my God, you know what got me really nostalgic? When he gets into the chest freezer 
I was like, oh my God, I remember having a chest freezer as a yes. kid. You don't really see them quite so much now. At least I don't really. Um, but Unless oh you're watching God. true crime stuff. Or yes. like fake true crime stuff. Like, because then you see that's where you keep the bodies. Well, exactly. Well, we used to have um, one in the garage that didn't have bodies. But uh, used to have <laughs> the Flintstone ice pops in them. And the amount of times I was like looking myself, like doing like a... Uh, kind of like levying myself <laughs> over the side yeah. to try and get legs to the up in the air, which you could easily have fallen in and gotten stuck in. Oh, there. definitely, definitely. I could have died in that thing. But oh, I've got so much nostalgia when he got in there. I was like, I'm almost sat in there and some sunbathed <laughs> myself. I guess, um, you know, trying to get my Flintstone. I mean, what was the best flavor? Definitely blue on the cola. Um, <laughs> always no, that wasn't cola. That was raspberry. Sorry, raspberry's always the way to go with anything like that. Same with like slushies, mm. everything raspberry. Yeah, and also the fact that as a kid, your whole mouth and surroundings of the mouth, because you're a child and you're sloppy, goes blue. Oh yeah, because you know there were less regulations around around colours. But no, that chest freezer just really sent me there. Honestly, that you know the Flintstone ice pops, the mini milks. Oh, <gasps> shut up, mini milks! Nearly broke my ribs trying to get those. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I remember, so my, my friend used to have a chest freezer in her garage because we didn't have a garage. Um, we're not as posh as you, uh, for <laughs> us. Um, so uh, my friend had a chest freezer and she used to have, you know those sun lollies? Yeah. They're like a triangular type ones? Yeah. Yeah, so she used to always have those in there and we always used to run in. So she had loads of like rabbits and guinea pigs just running around her garden. And so did I, but I didn't have sunlight. Exactly not frozen in the chest freezer. <laughs> so we would go, yeah, can you imagine? So you'd have to dig through the uh, corpses of her pets and grab out the sunlight. Um, but honestly, it was worth it. But I don't know why. This time around, I just got so nostalgic over that. <laughs> that's really, that's cute. So, okay. It's, like, it's not the point of the film, but... <laughs> I mean... Or is it? <laughs> what is the point of the film? Would you guess... say that was that sounded very much? What is the point of it? I meant it as in like what? No. What did you take away from it? I think I don't know if it's meant to have a huge amount of depth, other than just a story about a boy and his kind of adventure with a essentially an imaginary friend, really, isn't it? Um, or with some kind of like made up friend. And there's nothing wrong with that. I had three. <laughs> well, of course you did. You drowned some of them. Also. One of them, not some of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just to clarify, I had three imaginary friends, Hobby, Lolly, and Bowie, and Hobby used to bully me and the other two imaginary friends. <laughs> I can't believe you created your own bully. <laughs> You're Look, so massive. I had some issues, okay? <laughs> and it got to the point where she was so mean to me that obviously something had to be done. And my parents realised I'd stopped talking about her and came up to my room. And I'm this like cute little like six-year-old or something, and it probably in like a nighty. Uh, sat on my bed and they come in and they're like um, we just wanted to talk to you like what what's happened to hobby and i'm like she died <laughs> and they're like what i'm like she was naughty so she died and that was it they just like backed out of the room i was like yep yep you know don't be mean to me no, normal good <laughs> stuff I have an ac- I have access to a chest freezer, guys. So I mean, no, genuinely, like, no wonder you're into true crime now because you're always thinking about how can I hide the body of my imaginary friend. Still, no one has found her. <laughs> no one knows the cause of death yet. <laughs> but no, I think it's just meant to be like, I think it's just a joyful exploration 
of childhood. I don't and think I... he goes into a huge amount of detail. It's just about the magic of being a child and being so excited about Christmas and um, the playfulness that you have at such a young age. And then, of course, going to see Santa and Santa's, Santa's real. Um, <laughs> you know, all of, all of these things. Um, it's just like summing up the excitement of Christmas for me. That's what the film is about, the excitement that you have in childhood. The, yeah, 100%. You cannot ever replicate that feeling. Oh, no, definitely not. Like, it's just, it's something that every kid should have a chance to do because it's just such a fun... Or, or like... Or a, whatever a, religion. Like, I'm not saying yeah. it has to be Christmas. Some like... kind of, like, festival or, or ritual or something like that where you can... Even if it's not religion, just something in your life, even if it's like a birthday, yeah. where you would get really, really excited and, and as, yeah. as a child. I mean more, I don't mean like necessarily Christmas. I mean like, yeah, the 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 joy of waiting for something as a kid mm. that you know yeah. is going to be exciting. Yeah, you can't ever replicate that joy. And I think this film does it in such a way where it does show the fleeting moments of joy because the snowman melts and it's gone and that's yeah and but you can create your own joy and create your own way of of making more joy but also the way that it's told through the music is just the incredible. music is phenomenal the f- it's genuinely considering that even the animation it is beautiful but it's not so expressive that you get everything from no. just the animation the music the flourishes of joy the sadness at the end is is and it's really haunting. I mean, oh my god! The the when he, he's out there and he like fall, I think he falls to his knees or something at the at the snowman, so and then the credits roll, and you're just like, oh my god! I think I've just like my heart's died. <laughs> okay, just okay happy died. Christmas, guys! Happy oh Christmas! God. I'm 32, <laughs> but I'm still crying. <laughs> um, it's, yep, it's um it's it's crazy, but it 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 shows that the celebration in many ways the celebration of life and the sorrow of death. But um, it's just, it's just a, a really, really sweet movie that has so much in it, and the music is is so important to. It. And I love the fact that okay, of course, like the the song that's famous from it, "Walking in the Air," is, is sung in English. But this could be shown probably across the world, and because it hasn't it doesn't rely on language, it relies on um, taking emotion from the animation and from the music. People from all over the world, different cultures, different uh, languages, etc. Probably could all enjoy this film. Um, I don't yeah, know how even... popular it is outside of the UK, but um, I'd be interested to know that if anyone. Well, the only the only other version, or like the only other country I know of who has a version of it or has seen it or is popular in is Ireland, and that's because you know I showed you the. Irish mm. version of the snowman, and this isn't like an actual version. It's just someone's dubbed over the snowman. Yeah, on YouTube. On, on YouTube, and it's fucking hilarious. It is, yeah. So it's obviously it's obviously showing that that the Irish know about it as well. It's a really nostalgic one, I think, in this country for so many people who grew up watching this film because it was on every Christmas. You know, when when your mum's just like trying to, you know, fit. <laughs> Well, yeah, she's trying to prepare some of the food for the next day, and she's like, right, they're nearly ready off the bed. You know, sit down, watch that, go, then go to bed, put your stocking out, go to bed. Otherwise, Santa won't come. And then they sit and drink all the sherry, have a mince pie, and try and 
put all the prezzies under the tree. You know, that was like basically what happened every single year. And um, it's just like part of the routine that you would sit down and watch it. You know, I see. I love that. Bed. I love that you had that routine. It was, Christmas it was almost that. like. It was almost like signalling, now it's time for bed, children. <laughs> yeah. Go. No, that's... Uh, firstly, how clever of Channel 4. Like, <laughs> fucking great parenting skills there, Channel 4. Like, that's such yeah. a clever idea. Because it's also, it's such a, a a soft movie. It's not like you're watching, like, The Grinch yeah. or, like... So, yeah. It, it doesn't excite you. No, I you mean, it, it, fills you, it fills you with that slight excitement. And then it ends on this down point. But you also have seen Santa, so you're like, oh, okay, yeah. now I should go to bed so I can and, get presents from Santa. And you know it's real because he pulls out of his pocket the stuff that he got from Santa. Yes. Do you know that although the snowman has died or has disappeared or whatever it is, it, what happened, that magical moment was real. Yeah. Um, because he gets the scarf out. Um, did you ever see the weird intro that they added on in, like, I want to say, like, the late 80s or something? Of David Bowie. Uh, no, and why okay. haven't I? I? You know how much you... I love David Bowie. <laughs> it's a really weird one. You know how, like, when he his song with Bing Crosby, her little drummer boy, and yes. he's like, this is my son's favourite song at the beginning. It's like that vibe, but he's, like, in an attic or something, and then he gets out this scarf, and it's a scarf from the movie, and it's like, Oh, did I ever tell you about this story <laughs> about a snowman <laughs> or something? Wait, I can't, I can't so is it exactly. meant to be David Bowie was the kid? I think so, or something like that. It's cool. really it's weird. You have to watch it. Oh, I, uh, you, like, as soon as we're finished this, strange. I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a strange addition, though. Um, I guess it was in the 80s. So it was in the era where he was trying to appeal more to children because he made labyrinths and stuff as well in that same decade. I don't know. But it was just a really strange mix-up. But anyway, I just wondered if you'd seen it. It's not on every version. Like, whenever it comes on, they don't always show it. It depends which one they do. Better know which copy they put on. But it's just a really weird bit to have at the beginning. That's so weird. Um, well, that's because, okay, yeah. so your, your like, memories of Christmas Eve obviously are putting that in and stuff and watching that. Mm. But my memory, so we used to watch some some Christmas uh, like TV during the day, like if we were meant to be staying out of my mum's way or whatever. Mm. Um, even though like my grandma was the one, like we'd do it at my grandma's house, um, like have Christmas day at my grandma's house. But uh, I remember this specifically. Uh, my dad is a huge Wallace and Gromit fan. And oh, I remember yeah. we were heading round to my grandparents and we were running late as always. We were always running late. I mean, we're the side of the family that has all the kids so, you know, you're going to be late. Um, mm. So we were running late as normal. And my mum's trying to get everyone ready to leave and get out the door and making sure she's got the presents and everything sorted. And my dad sat there mm. watching the wrong trousers. And uh, he goes, I can't miss the end. You'll have to go without me. So we had to go around <laughs> to my grandparents and leave him watching Wallace and Gromit. And so I he mean, could follow us around later. It's not a British Christmas without Wallace and Gromit, in all fairness. No, I agree. I it's agree. always on. It has to be on. But that's really sweet. I mean, yeah. we used to we used to watch The Snowman, and then when we got older, um, Channel Four always used to have on directly after The Snowman. They'd have The Nightmare Before Christmas on. Oh, so then we watch. Yeah. So when we were a little bit older and we were going to bed just like a you know an hour or two later than six o'clock, um, <laughs> we were going to bed at half eight or something. We <laughs> would stay up and we'd watch uh, Nightmare Before Christmas as well. Um, so you'd have like back to back, 
and then you go to bed. Yeah. Nice. It was it was cute. It was cool. But what what do I you don't... do now for Christmas? So like so... What, like do you watch TV still or do you like what's your what's your Christmas look like? Well, the last couple of years bar last one because you know <laughs> pandemic um my sister's kind of taken on doing a family kind of get together on christmas eve at her place oh, but before cute. that i'm i am more of a homebody on like christmas eve i'm not the kind of person that wants to go out to the pub on that day so i um i tend to watch a film and a film that um, has kind of become a Christmas staple on Christmas Eve, even though it's not set around Christmas, is the Paddington films. Because although they're not Christmas films, they have a lot of the same sentiment like, and kind of sweetness that a lot of Christmas films have. Yeah. So I tend to watch one of the, Chris- uh, the Paddington films with my family um, on Christmas Eve. That's um, really It's sweet. just become a new tradition. But I still watch The Snowman pretty much every... Yeah, and although I've watched it this year, I'll probably still watch, watch it, it again. on Christmas Eve. Yeah, oh, you got to. Uh, got that's to. really that's really cool. Yeah. So, that's... what about you? Uh, well, I mean, for the last couple of years, I've been in Australia for Christmas, so sure. Obviously, it's hot, and so we would have a barbecue, and yeah, uh, we on Christmas Eve we would always watch uh, The Grinch because my which one chosen to Jim Carrey. Um, I it's one it. of my chosen sister's favorite films um so we always watch that like so last year because of the pandemic she was actually stuck in sydney and we were mm. in victoria so we couldn't be together on christmas so she was actually by herself in our flat for christmas um right and luckily she had a friend who came around and hung out with her but christmas eve oh, we did okay. a zoom watch of the Grinch so we all we all huddled around like her mum my my friend her sister um and her dad and her nan and myself all got into pajamas she so the year before she got us all matching pajamas so we all put Mm. those on got all like popcorn and fairy floss and like hung out and pressed play at the same time so we could still watch the Grinch with her which was really nice oh that's really sweet um yeah, so the, the last couple of years, that's what we've done. And then, I mean, on Christmas Day itself, we just ate and played games. We didn't really watch much TV. Um, mm. But this year's going to be weird. It's going to be different because I haven't had a family Christmas in like like this for like quite a while. Um, mm. So I'm like hanging out with my, my family and I'm doing all the cooking and stuff. So probably won't get much of a chance to watch a huge amount of TV on the day. But Christmas Eve, I am planning on watching uh, as much queer Christmas stuff as I can. <laughs> that's that's my plan. Well, what would you include the snowman? Because I mean, oh, because of the like drag queen snowman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Maybe. I actually, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I loved then because obviously <laughs> I had to then rewatch the. Uh, the irish, the irish version stuff. so yeah it, then after so then you like the irish one's much happier because it's funny um well it, it's more of a like a comedy skit isn't it oh so it's like it's satire for sure but yeah i yeah. i really enjoyed watching the snowman um i hadn't watched it in a few years in fairness i very much enjoyed yeah. it um it always it always gives me the christmas feels the music alone just has know, the most Christmassy... back to it. well it's just incredible <laughs> It it's is. just such an incredible then... score. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah it, it it did make me feel very Christmassy, especially because it was actually snowing over here, 
as well. Oh, was it when you were watching it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't have that. Oh, Did you make your just... own snowman? No, no, it was not enough snow. I was very disappointed. It just <laughs> made the grass the a little bit white. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he would have melted if I tried to put a scarf on him. So, <laughs> yeah. well, there we go. Anyway, so it was it was nice to kind of revisit revisit that one. There's not really much to say because it's such a short film and it's it's so simple because it's it's made so that young children can understand it as well. But certainly, it's a very nostalgic film for me, and it's a film that I think is very nostalgic for a lot of people in um in britain um and in the uk and i think that uh i'd love to know if it is popular or if people see it in other areas of the world because to me it's a very british thing but um i'd be interested to know if any anybody from other countries ever yeah ever absolutely if, if you're uh if you're anywhere other than the uk uh then send us send us a, a message and let us yeah. know if it's like something that you guys watch. Let us know what you, what you think. Like, have you seen this film before? Is it something that is well known outside of the UK? Because, or if you have any particular Christmas memories with this film, because I do feel like if you are British, it is one of those films that everyone's seen. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you have any like Christmas traditions, yeah, feel free to let us Christmas know. Films. Like, yeah, what you watch, what you do. Uh, like obviously Sophie's obsessed with the snowman and has that every year. And it's like, but it really did bring up all the Christmassy feels. Like clearly it did because as soon as we started talking about it, we went off and started talking about what we do for Christmas. Like, yeah. So it clearly has that nostalgic Christmas feel. Yeah, definitely gets you in the mood. Yeah, awesome. All right, well that was the last episode before Christmas. Um, but we do have a special treat for you all on Christmas Day. Uh, so make sure you, uh, if you do need to take a break, maybe from family drama or you're just uh, cooking and you want to listen to us chat about a lot of queerness, uh, then make sure you uh, download the Christmas Day episode. So follow us and subscribe uh, so you don't miss that. Yeah, definitely. And we'll see you then. Yeah. Have a good Christmas, y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Heavenly Features. We are at Heavenly Features Pod on Instagram and Heavenly Features Pod on YouTube. And we are Heavenly Features Pod on Letterboxd and Twitter. Uh, head over to our Instagram and Twitter and give us a follow if you want to watch along with us. We'll be announcing what films we'll be talking about the next week. And please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.